Once you truly grasp how many sacred sites there are around the globe, you can't help but question and wonder, why were they there? What made them build these sites over and over and over again with an overlapping set of symbols and a, almost like a template that they work to? And what is the energy that you can experience at these sites and how should you approach them? It's some of these questions that 
uh, new guest to the podcast, Nicholas Perrin, and I spoke about. Having Nicholas on was an awesome experience, and he's another one of those guests that three years ago when I sat down and started this, these are the guys I wanted to get on. Nicholas has spent the last three years traveling the globe, taking himself to these sacred sites, and just seeing what he could experience from his perspective. We must always remember that. Everything is only your interpretation of it. However, there's also something that runs through all of these sites that we need to understand on a deeper level. Nicholas had really no preconceptions when he started to visit these sites, and that's one of the things I loved about this conversation because with no preconceptions, you you experience it as it is in the moment. And very cool to have a guy like that on the podcast to explore not only what these sacred sites means and, and, and how should we should approach them, however, also the hero's journey, you know, the, the constant journey of self that is never-ending, however, always ends with you because it, it's self. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and we got lucky. The internet signal between us was excellent so we can be thankful for that. We spoke about what was the song we were going to use. We made a couple of Beatles references and we decided after we'd finished recording that it was going to be All You Need Is Love by the Beatles. So enjoy a trip back in time to that one. Because again, it's just another confirmation from another fine gentleman who has experienced so much that love is the answer, guys. That's the way forward. And understanding or re-understanding as opposed to understanding that this global spiritual culture that once existed, that we're being shown through these megalithic sites. And whoever built these is leaving us a message that we seriously need to interpret because we might need some help in the very near future to get through what's coming. Nicholas does a lot of things. I'm going to put all his links in the bio we do have a Patreon page, guys, if you want to throw 10 cents our way, that'd be cool. I am working on a new website, got some cool little bits and pieces that I'm going to sell through there in the near future, so keep an eye out for that. Always appreciative of all the new listeners and the support and the comments that we get through. Just such a cool experience to see this thing continue to grow and, and have having guests like Nicholas on just make it all the better. That's it for me, guys. Look after yourselves, stay safe, be cool, and we'll talk soon. G'day, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, it's a great pleasure this week to welcome Nicholas Perrin coming to us all the way from Mexico to the podcast. How are you going, mate? Thank you so much for inviting me, Triffin, and lovely to connect with you all in the rather wet, but it was sunny, Oaxaca City in Mexico. Oaxaca, okay. I was going to ask you where you are. Yeah, it's quite interesting. You, you've got a you've got a t-shirt on, and I'm in a jumper and my hat, my oak boots. It's uh, it's and the heat is going to the right of me. It's it's quite fascinating. Just just that we're definitely different worlds away, but it's 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 very awesome to connect, mate. So, firstly, I did want to so a little bit about yourself, mate. We connected through a, a mutual friend of ours, Martin, and and you've been travelling to the sacred sites for the how how long have you been doing this, mate? Yeah, so I left Sydney, Australia in May 2017. So I've been doing it now for about three years and three months. 
and it's been an, uh, an ever-evolving adventure since that point. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. So what led you to do it? I mean, uh, we, we, just so everyone knows, me and Nicholas connected last week. Uh, however, we, we left some stuff off the table because I know we wanted to have this conversation on the podcast. Uh, so what, what led you to, to start exploring these things, mate? Yeah, so like like all good things in life, it was unexpected and, and quite spontaneous and random. I had no intention of travelling to sacred sites. It wasn't really part of my world before leaving Sydney. But what happened was I had a one of those soul moments in life where everything changes, and I'm sure many people out there can, can recall such moments. And basically what happened, beautiful Sunday, a Saturday afternoon before a yoga class when my life was kind of screeching to a halt, everything was kind of not working anymore. And, I, and I, I've had certain experiences of this before, so I wasn't freaking out. But I knew that something new was wanting to emerge through me, but I didn't know what it was. And so I asked that powerful question, which is what is it that I need to see or what is it? what new choice do I need to connect with? Mm. And in that moment, the inspiration that came through was you need to leave Sydney, Australia, sell everything, pack your life up and go overseas on an indefinite awakened pilgrimage. Further instructions to come shortly. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, what do I need to do? Sell everything and... Go looking for stuff. And it's interesting how, how it does that, isn't it? Like, and obviously you're, you're in a space where you could do that. However, not without certain sacrifice, I imagine, mate. Yeah, well, the, well, the, the sacrifice was everything that I knew I had to let go of. So my house, my flatmate, uh, my, the work that I was doing at the time, everything that was familiar to me and go into the unknown. I'd already had a flight booked for mid-May, so I had two weeks to pack my life up as well. So there was real creative tension. It wasn't like, do it when you want. It was like, you've got two weeks to do it. And I only literally got everything done the day before the flight. Like, it was that tight. So did you, so you already had the flight booked or it, you, you, so, so you're already going to go, you're already going to go, but you just didn't know how long, basically. Well, I knew, well, originally I thought I was just going to go for two months. I had my return ticket back to Australia for the 29th of July. So, but when that inspiration came, it says you're not coming back. Like that return ticket is, is out indefinitely. Yeah, right. So I was like, okay. yeah. So that's, that's kind of what happened. And what, then which, what, sorry, mate, you go. I was just going to say, and then as that, as that experience started to unfold, then the, there were two key things, key things that came in. One was to go and visit intentional communities, which was looking at how humans are living currently on the planet in a, in, in a different way to, say, city life, connected to, to the humanity moving forward. And then the sacred sites was the other key area. Mm, mm. So what, where did you go first, mate? What drew, you, what drew your attention first? So the very first stop was to Mount Blanc in France. And you're probably thinking, why did you go to Mount Blanc? And... There was a Lumerian pineal toning choir, and I'll probably have to explain what, what, what the hell that is, but it is connected to the sacred sites. So about three to 500 people gathered from all around the world. Most of these people uh, were connected to the ancient civilization of Mu or Lumeria. And the, the, let's say there was one person, he's actually a scientist, you wouldn't believe it, but he received all these unique codes, these ancient codes of remembrance and so we sung them at very specific points on the planet. And it just so happened that there was one of these happening in the middle of May 2017. So it was a really great starting point for me because 
I was like, well, this is exactly what this whole trip is all about. It's about remembering who we truly are. It's about connecting to these sacred sites. Now, Mount Blanc is just an energy vortex point, so there isn't anything specifically there. But if you, you know, it's 4,300 metres above sea level, you go up there, even in summer, still got snow, it's beautiful. But the energy was just so powerful and beautiful. You know, we talk about these these sacred points around the world. I mean, there is a sacred geometry obviously rules our existence. However, what we don't take into account, I think, there's also a sacred grid that echoes around the world. That's some of the work that I looked into it was a couple of years ago now. It's crazy how fast time flies. Uh, I did spend a bit of time looking at the sacred grid points around the world. And like something like 27 of the major megalithic sites or sacred sites, as you would say, are on these grid points and it's something you, that, that can't be ignored. So just to clarify, mate, so you were getting, so it was multiple people around the world. Is that was sort of like um, trying to bring the vibration up, trying to bring the Schumann resonance up, or was that what, what was the purpose behind the, the singing? So the purpose of the singing was a little bit connecting to what you were talking about the grids, uh, the Palladian, the Palladians had connected or had, let's say put into the future potential of humanity if the ascension was to go ahead, these nodes and nulls. This information comes through through a channel called Cryon. And so there are 12 nodes and 12 nulls. And we went to these uh, different node points that when we sung these codes, it connected to the associated null and a bridge was made. And so there were 12 of these unique experiences that needed to happen for that grid to happen. Of course, there's a lot of other grid work going on, a lot of other people that are guided to do other things. It's not just one source of information, but that was what that project was specifically about. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. So, so what was the first? Obviously, I mean, and it, and it's and it's hard. That, that, that I can understand that where you went was a sacred site. I mean, I've been to some places uh, here in Australia and um, Papua New Guinea and stuff like that. There's no, there's no pillars there. There's no writing. However, you know, you're on sacred ground. Uh, for one reason or another, whether uh, the, the tribe will tell you or you just know when you go to these sites that there's there's something very special about them. But what was the first uh, sacred site that, that people would understand that you visited? I would, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, pick, because after, after, after France, I went to, to England and there's a lot of sacred sites in England. Uh, there's a lot of stone circles. There's a lot of standing stones uh, in England as well. So the, the one that I'm going to share is Avebury. It's the largest stone circle in England. It's, re- it's not probably as commonly known as Stonehenge, but it's pretty, pretty famous. It's huge. And what I, what I want to share with people there is I visited, I visited that sacred site about three times now. So I've come back and I've been able to go deeper with it every time. And what I learned is that every single one of those stones has a name and each each single of those stones also has a specific frequency and a specific purpose. And we did an experiment, which was when I was with another friend of mine, we decided to individually connect with all of these stones and write down what knowledge and information we got. And then afterwards we would compare our notes. And it was amazing because we got an 85% accuracy in what we got. It was 85% accurate. And so you separated yourselves. You didn't discuss it, didn't talk about it. That's right. Just sat with each stone got what you yep. got, wrote it down, yep. and then decided to share. And 85%, wow, that is actually very interesting. That is very interesting, yeah. So there is, you know, these, just the reason why I share that is that you can look at a stone and just think it's a stone, but there's an actual being 
in that stone and it, it has knowledge, it has a purpose. It's as real as a tree, as a human, as anything else. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting you say stuff like that because at the moment, uh, I'm, I'm on I'm always along many lines of research. Uh, however, Bruce Fenton's work's coming. I'm, I'm sort of deep in his, his stuff at the moment, mainly because it's echoing some of the stuff that I've experienced. And I think we, we need to understand and sort of why we got talking was it was these sacred sites. A lot of them have stone there. Now, now why would you use stone? You'd use stone because that's the thing that'll last forever, right? It'll last forever. However, there seems to be a growing and, and it's interesting that, you know, people who accept the most insane things, but if we were to say to the general layperson, stones can be imbued with energy and they can have consciousness and they can communicate, we'd be labeled crazy, you know? And I, another an interesting conversation I had with some of my students the other day, because someone asked me about crystals because I've, you know, I've, I've got a, um, some, I, I dry cry out. I can't remember around my neck at the moment. It's a lovely mm-hmm. stuff. And I've got, yeah, you know, if you, if you, yeah, if you were to, if you were to pan around the studio, there's, there's stones everywhere. And, um, and they're like, Oh, well, crystals are all woo woo and all that sort of stuff. And I said, okay, you're wearing a watch, mate. They said, yeah. I said, what does it say there? It says quartz powered. I said, quartz is a crystal, man. I said, what the drill bit, what's the hardest drill bit you can buy? What tipped is it? It's diamond tipped. That's a crystal. What's the first radio? that, you know, what powers most radios? Crystals, right? Do you like your TV? Do you like the screen that we're both communicating on? It's LCD, liquid crystal display. So, you know, we, we, we see what we don't see. And it's interesting, you know, and I, I mean, I had some very, I had a very fascinating experience um, with the stones that the strong boys had. I sat in their circle and those stones communicated with me. They did. I, and it was, it was a very surreal experience. Uh, and I've, you know, I've got a little box to my right there with stones that I've been collecting since I was eight. And, you know, it, mm. we, I don't think we understand them. However, not only is there messages carved into some of these stones, like we see the, the symbols that echo around the world. I am beginning to understand that some of these stone circles have consciousness or energy. And, and, and if, even if that's just the amount of ceremony that's gone into them, you know, like how many, mm-hmm. how many hundreds of thousands of years have people been meeting at these points at certain times of the year and, and, and doing these rituals and these ceremonies. And even if it's just that energy that's being put into those stones, but it could be in order to stand the test of time, whoever came before us and I, and you've already mentioned Palladians, the Palladian stuff and the Orion stuff keeps coming up over and over and over again at the moment. There seems to be a, a, a revelation or a revealing of that story or, or a deeper understanding that come, is coming to the surface. And maybe they knew that they, the only way on this planet to continue the energy and the transference is through some of these stones, mate. What were some of the things you guys got? What were some of the things at Avery? What's what some of the, do you remember some of the, the interpretations of the stones? Was it, was there anything that stood out that was very interesting? Yeah. Like, uh, like just to give people some examples, like one of the stones, uh, referenced him himself as the grandfather stone, kind of like the wisdom keeper. One of them was like the energy generator, um, 
trying to think. There, there, there were also there was also distinct feminine and masculine energies with these different stones. So that was very clear. Some of them were more, more nurturing. Some of them uh, were older. Some of them were more around energy activation, communication. So in a, in a sense, it's like there was like a community there. That's what it felt like. It's like, wow, you know, they all have a role. Just like humans, we all are different. We all have different gifts and abilities. We all contribute in a different way. It, it, felt, it felt in a very similar, in a similar manner. Yeah, right. It's so fascinating, mate. It's so fascinating. I, you know, I, I haven't had the, uh, the privilege to, to travel to these other sites. I've been, I've traveled around Australasia and I've seen some of that stuff over most of my research is through photography and, and, and articles and stories. However, I, I do understand it seems to be the thing that's echoed around these sacred sites. And, and you know, we can move away from Avery. However, these sacred sites, that there seems to be a ritual that almost echoes across them all. Do you, would you agree with that in certain ways? In certain ways, yeah. Like... I was sort of, before this podcast, I was tuning in going, you know, what are some of the reasons or purposes of these sacred sites? And there are actually quite a few. Uh, there's definitely initiations. There was definitely rites of passage initiations for both men and women, definitely. Some, I know this might sound a little bit out there, but some of them were portals or even star portals. So portals to other parts of the planet, but then also to be able to go interstellar. And those are some of the more ancient, ancient ones. And the pyramids are definitely like energy amplifiers, energy purifiers, building energy, creating energy. There's probably more things that we don't fully fully know about about the pyramids. But oh, I don't think we know anything. I, well, that's the first step, isn't it, Nicholas? Knowing that you don't know. However, um, I know what what seems to echo around these sites and this the research that that I've been into suggests. And it's echoed here in Australia with the Stonehenge and bits and pieces that I'm getting into down here is that in all of these sites, and I know this is true for some of the stuff in Cambodia, obviously the capstones missing in Giza, there's pieces missing from these sites that have been taken away. Excuse me. And I think they're activators personally or amplifiers. And, you know, if you think about, if you think about it from a from a culture perspective, right? So cultures turn over, uh, there's war, there's, you know, they're going to come, they don't believe in what we believe. So what do we do? We just destroy everything because that's what we do. I don't really know why, but that's our manner. Whoever it is is going to take, okay, we can't take out the whole pyramid. We can't take away the stone structure, but what we can do is take away the activating stone. What we can do is take this away. We can take this away. So whilst the essence of what they are is still there, the, the, the true purpose and understanding, I think there's, there's, and like there's, I know there's alcoves in some of the temples in Cambodia on four points. And it's like something used to sit in there, but no one knows what it is, right? The capstone's missing. You know, there's, there's, you, you analyze Australia's Stonehenge and it's like you can see that there's, there may be steps along the way that aren't there that could be transported. Um, and, and the idea of portals, I think we need to suspend our belief systems in a lot of ways when we, when we speak about this stuff, Nicholas, because I was speaking to a, uh, a grandfather, an elder in, the, in Arnhem Land, and I was having a discussion with him about why didn't the Indigenous people of Australia create the wheel? You know, why, why didn't they, for someone 
they're very spiritually advanced, you know, and, and I've learned a lot more since then. This is a long time ago. I'm a, I was in my twenties when I, when I did this and he said, oh, and matter of factly, he goes, well, we didn't need, didn't need the wheel. I said, why? He goes, well, Hey, we like walking. We like being part of the land and being one with nature. And I said, that's cool. And he goes, and look, there's certain spots in Australia. He goes, and was in the Northern Territory. He goes, you go to Jabiru, you walk through a cave in Jabiru, and you come out in the Grampians in Victoria. And he just said it matter of factly, like it was not, it was nothing, you know? So it's like, <laughs> that's just what happens. And there's also another one that I know uh, Martin knows of out West somewhere where you park in the car park in this national park, you go for a wonder and then you're in Western Australia to the point where there's wow. a far to the point where there's a farm on the other end and the farmers know <laughs> that they've got these lost people and they're like, Oh, did you park in this car park? And they said, yeah, I said, ah, all right, we'll get you back. So, you know, we, we, we become that attached to our materialistic and our, and our scientific ways that this stuff doesn't seem to be possible, but you don't have to dig very far to find evidence of it. Um, you know, and it, it's, and I think we, you know, you talk about Palladians and that story is obviously coming up as well. We are star children. Like there's a percentage of our makeup in our body that is comes from space that there's no way we can't actually deny that, you know, in our bones, in our the humans, there's this percentage of us that is star material yet we believe in a bearded man in the sky, but saying we may have come from a star system and maybe have something, give us a bit of a hand along the way. That's, that's, crazy yet we also have you know two distinct very distinct uh sections around the world it seems to be the orion and the palladian and whoever whichever race has dedicated thousands and thousands of hours to making these monuments that are monolithic and megalithic in nature i mean you're in mexico at the moment i can only imagine what you've seen down there with the pyramids and all that sort of stuff uh you know the geezer we know all these sites mate so you wouldn't humans are very purposeful creatures. We wouldn't dedicate so much of our time and resource to building this stuff without good reason, you know? Um, so where did you go now? What, so after Avery did, what about Stonehenge, man? I mean, obviously that's the one that everyone could very easily relate to. Uh, could you get access to that? I mean, I know they're a bit restricted now as, as, as far as access to that site now. Yeah, we, we did. I did it on a tour. I didn't do it in that year. It was in 2019, but I did, I did, uh, did go. And it's very inconclusive. I mean, it's interesting, the official story that they kind of shared just really doesn't feel true. Um, but the, then, then, you know, there's a lot of speculation. And, and it was interesting just to hear all, all the different um, purposes that people were, were putting in the space of initiation, rituals, um, communicating to other, to other civilizations. Um, and all sorts of things like that. But there wasn't any kind of clear one definitive hypothesis. And I don't, and I'm, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, mate. All the research that I've done and we, and, I, and I've done a lot of research and, and one of the things we, we say here in the podcast is we like to collect perspectives. Okay. It's like a disco mirror ball, right? So every perspective, mm. you've, got to, you've got to collect all of them, right? And every one of the perspectives yeah. is a little tile on the mirror ball. And yeah. you must collect them all, even the ones you disagree with, because mm -hmm. you can then look at it and reflect and understand better. 
uh, if you if you're open to all perspectives. However, a lot of the evidence that we and, and you've spent the last three years traveling and exploring and 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 holding, you know, um, I saw your bio. You've been holding programs and meeting people from everywhere. A lot of the evidence that we hang on this stuff is oh, this is this is definitely what happened. It's so thin, mate. Like, you, mm. there's really nothing. Um, do you think it's a fear that we just don't we we don't want to admit that we don't know or? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I, I want to bring into the conversation worldview because worldview, which, which is really like our mindscape and the construct within the mind really does either allow or block information. So one of the main problems that, that a lot of people are going to have with a lot of, with, with, as you said, we can believe that there's a, a bearded man in the sky, but we, we find it difficult to, 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 potentially engage with the idea that maybe that we, we have had extraterrestrial connections and we have actually come from the stars. And a lot of that comes from the worldview from religion, you know, all of the major religions and they're threatened, they're threatened by that. Now that became really clear to me when I went to the Bosnian pyramids, which are not so well known, but they're actually really, really old. They've been carbon dated to about 32,000 years ago, which obviously completely blows out the mm. whole world history. Like, you know, 32,000 years ago, well, nothing could have, was really happening in the mainstream perspective. And, and, um, and a lot of the scientists actually, it was interesting because in, this was actually a scientific conference. It, they, they combined clairvoyant psychics, intuitives with scientists as well. Obviously, scientists that were open-minded, obviously. And the scientists, yeah, the scientists that did their presentations, they said the mainstream scientists basically poo-pooed on the Bosnian pyramids but they've never come. They didn't do any testing. They haven't done anything. They've just, they've just gone, oh, it's, it's, it's too out there. So that's, we're just going to ignore that. Mm. So, you know, I just thought, well, that's not science. I mean, what, what are you doing? No. You know, with these other guys that actually done science, I mean, they'd done, they'd taken samples. They had collected evidence and things and gone, look, based on what we've collected, this is what we currently believe to be true. And then the psychics and intuitives did their own presentations. Mm-hmm. So, so you actually went to the Bosnian pyramids because obviously uh, yeah. uh, that that is something that we've sort of, and it's interesting your perspective, right? I know I follow a lot of Graham Hancock's work. I'm sure you're aware of him, uh, yeah. And he sort of said it could be something, it might be something. We're not real sure. And I sort of lean if I lean with him because I don't have you know I've only got I've got to pick and choose what I research. But you were there, sure. so is is there tunnels there? Like what what is actually yeah. there? Yeah, so I went into the pyramid and the first, first of all, because I'm, I'm exploring all of these sacred sites through direct experience, just noticing what am I feeling, what am I, what's, what am I sensing, the really frequency had, was... Just, 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 just to clarify, mate, you really had no real interest in this stuff previous. You, you, you're just following no. your instinct. You're not, so you, you, don't, you, right. you, didn't, you had no uh, perceived, uh, perceived misconceptions or any of that sort of stuff. You're just trying no. to experience it from your perspective and that's understand right. it that way. Okay, that's excellent. That's right. All right. So yeah. yeah. So so you went. So there is tunnels there. Yeah. There is tunnels. They're hundreds of meters long. They're they're epic. I mean, you, you keep walking, keep walking. There, uh, the energy in those tunnels was was extremely high. And and when we uh, we got to a certain part, there was a group of us that we did a meditation, and we went into a complete time warp. We couldn't tell how long we'd been there for. Uh, the energy was was extraordinary, and a lot of people 
are going to the Bosnian pyramids for healing purposes. Like the the water, like when people are measuring the water, it, 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 that pyramid seems to do something to the water, and people drink the water, and you go and you can feel it. Like it, you know, if you have any kind of capacity to feel energy, it's undeniable. Like there's something definitely going on. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Yeah, right. Is it, and is there any symbols or any of that sort of stuff? Is there any indication of, or is it just, is it just a, it's a stone structure? Uh, what, what there are, it? there are these ceramic technologies. So when you go in, there's certain things. And what was interesting, they said when they moved one of these things by accident, the pyramid started to flood. So they moved it back and the water went away. So that, that I found that to be really quite interesting. They don't know what it is. They don't exactly know what the technology is. Uh, there isn't any symbols that I saw, mm. like for example in Egypt or some of the other places uh, that I, that I saw anyway. So at the moment, I mean at the moment, I think they're still they're still discovering it. They're still exploring. It's, it's, what. it's very very early on. It's very early on. It's still the- early on. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so, where do we go next, mate? What would you what would you like to talk about next? What other sites would you like to discuss and share with the listeners? Yeah, I'd like to go to Mexico and Guatemala, and there's a reason why I'd like to go there. These, uh, the, the, the ancient mines, they literally created these ancient cities that were a representation of the cosmos. So I was very lucky to, to do a two-week sacred site tour with an elder. We did proper ceremony. We did different rituals. We did fire ceremonies. And he also spent about four hours every day explaining the cosmology from the mind's point of view of why they did certain things. So everything from, he said, you see there's 13 steps there that's connected to something, the seven temples there that's connected to the seven Pallady, the seven sisters. Uh, so every single building and the, the position and the, the size of it was, was, was exactly connected to something. There was a meaning behind it. So it reflects as, as above, so below sort of thing. Yeah, okay. As above, as above so below. So that, that, was, uh, that was really powerful because it, it wasn't just one building. It wasn't one, one structure. It was multiple structures. And, of course, the Mayans were really big on their astrology. They had a whole pyramid dedicated to astrology and, and even just climbing up, that, climbing up the pyramid is amazing. I mean, you can imagine at night just the stars with the, with the rainforest and the jungle and, the animals that you know would have been incredible back then even to see it from a night perspective did you get to did, did... i didn't know no you would have you would have had to have had a special permission or you know and i didn't i didn't get that it is literally the jungle there's plenty of things to <laughs> plenty of things to you'd have to be you'd have to uh, yeah you'd have to take precautions obviously uh i mean i i can only imagine standing well i and uh, one of the fascinating things I was thinking about you and, and one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because I mean, for myself personally, I've, I've been obsessed with these megalithic cultures since I was a boy. Like it's not, this is, this is a, a lifelong passion of mine. Whereas someone like yourself who has not had that passion from, from the start, what is it like standing in front of a pyramid like that? And is it, just a what the fuck moment or, you know, like, what, <laughs> you know, like, what, how, can you even put it into words? I wonder. For me, uh, every sacred site is different, of course, but 
there is definitely there is definitely this feeling of awe, wonderment, this this magical, this mystical, this magical element, and and it really it cracks through the mundaneness that I feel that humanity is kind of stuck in at the moment. You know, most people are just living a, a life of nine to five, going to job, go home. It's all quite the same. And going to these sacred sites just kind of, it, it really, for me, opens me up to there's obviously a lot more to life than, than what I know. And, and it, but it does, it ignites that childlike wonderment and that, 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 that magical nature of, 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 there's more and, and why not explore it? Why not stay open to it? Mm. Absolutely. I think when, when you become, when, and it, it's hard and like obviously 2020 unprecedented year, there's all these things that are happening right now that we might sort of tie into a little bit later. However, you have to understand there's more like there's, there's, and and these sites are here for a reason. Like that, that's my thing. It's just like we wouldn't have done these things all over the planet. And it's interesting you say the mines are Palladian. I was wondering whether they were Palladian or Orion based. That was it was one of the questions I had for you. There's a reason. They, they, There's a reason. They have connections to the Palladians and they also have connections to Orion and also Sirius. So those are the three yeah. are quite quite prominent for them. Mm. And it, and again. Those three things, once you start investigating it, are echoed across the globe. Every major uh, megalithic site either has at least at the base level alignment to summer and winter solstice uh, and the equinoxes. And then if it goes further than that, you're looking at Pallades, you're looking at Orion. Um, what, what was the... So when you did your tour in, in, in Mexico with the mine stuff, how old did they say that stuff was? What, what was the, the interpretation you were given? Yeah, they're saying they're saying there were sort of three. This is the mainstream perspective. They're saying there are three kind of ages: the mm. early, the middle, and then and the late. And and it was uh, sort of around, you know, I think the earliest was like three hundred AD, going up to about one thousand two hundred AD, kind of before the Spanish uh, came around fifteen hundreds. Uh, that's the official official narrative. But to be honest, I, I don't really, I don't don't really buy buy into it. I don't. I mean, I don't have any scientific evidence to to back that up. I don't. It just doesn't feel right. Oh, it doesn't feel right. I, we can't date stone, you know. And that's so. And this is the thing. Oh, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is definitely what happened. But honestly, we don't know. Like, whatever evidence they're basing that on is so thin. We don't actually know. It's just we don't want to admit that we don't know. I, I, I truly believe that. And, you know, so how is it the pyramids in Giza, we can say they're 4,000 years old, but the pyramids in South America are 1,000 years old. I don't, I, this stuff echoes around the world. I, you know, there's, and is it, is, I think it's prior to 13,000 years ago. I really do. I think there was a civilization that existed prior to 13,000 years ago and either the survivors of that helped build the civilization South America. I mean, the mainstream perspective, mate, you talk about Mexico and South America, the mainstream perspective up until 18 months ago was the, at the height of that civilization, there was two to 4 million people. Now they've sent LIDAR across the jungle and they've found highways that run for 30 kilometers and all these other satellite cities. And now they're saying 110 million. So it's like, and that's just based on the, excuse me, the ruins that they've found. So it's as simple as 
you know, we believe something and it's gospel, but it's actually not, it's, it's fluid and dynamic. And we, and, and true science is that true science is testing, testing. Okay. No, this isn't, we're not going to, uh, you know, hang your hat on that. It's going to be this. And I don't believe so either, mate. I think there's, there's so much evidence and it's, it's almost irrefutable now to a point that someone or some race of beings, at least we could go back to 780 with the Palladians and, and, and all the things that Bruce Fenton's talking about if you wanted to, but let's not do that. Prior to 13, there was a cataclysm 13,000 years ago. Prior to that, there was another civilization that maybe from the last big extinction event, 70,000 years ago to 13,000 years ago, they existed, they grew, they changed. And then these things happen. The reset button gets hit on this planet quite a lot. And it's just our hubris. And a lot of these sciences, they're less than 200 years old, yet we, we accept them to the, be the be all and end all. Whereas all of these sites have existed for thousands, if not tens of thousands, and it's, let's be a little bit crazy, hundreds of thousands of years. And we need to understand that, you know? Um, so what about, obviously, yeah, so you go, mate. You go. I was just going to put one point into that. Uh, when, when I was in Egypt, I did visit the, the Sphinx. And there actually, there, there is a, um, a, a counterbody of, of science that is basically disputing the, the age that they say the Sphinx was built. I think they say it was like 4,500 the thing is that when you go there, you can see that there's been water erosion in one part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And the last time that there was sufficient amount of water in that part of the world was at the end of the last, you know, around 10, 11, 12,000 years. So it, it, it couldn't be 4,500. But again, what happens is you bring something like that in and the people in the mainstream world just go, don't, don't want to, you know, just delete, yeah. you know? There's no kind of investigation or, okay, cool. Well, well maybe, maybe the paradigm that we've got, maybe we do need to change it, you mm. know, and it's okay mm. to be wrong. Like that's how we learn, you know, you make a mistake, you, but then you refine it and update it and go, cool. Well, now we know. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's Robert Shock's work and John Anthony West, may you rest in peace. That's he, that, those are the two guys that question the Sphinx and Obviously, uh, so Nicholas is from South Africa, uh, but spent some time here in Australia as well and until he left to, on his pilgrimage. And as you would know, in Australia, we get a lot of erosion throughout all our creek beds and all that sort of stuff. So water erosion is very easy for me to spot. Like I've spent my life in the bush because of the clay base, you can see the water and you get photos of the, the enclosure of the Sphinx. I don't need to be there to go, that's water erosion, it's quite clear. It's quite clear it's water erosion on the Sphinx. It's quite clear it's in, in the in the enclosure, it's water erosion. It doesn't it's not rocket science to to say that. However, the, the paradigm that we're so attached to, uh, almost on a global perspective, and I do think religion has a lot, the 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 prevailing religion has a lot to be answer for and tie into this. They just won't accept anything else. Yet it's quite clear that. There's so much else. I mean, how can you say the pyramids are tombs? Like, I don't even, not only has there never, ever been any evidence of, you know, people being buried in a, in a pyramid, uh, those, you wouldn't build a structure like that is, there's some hubris, man. Like, that's some ego to build a structure like that. <laughs> but, yeah. but the thing is that, I mean, that pyramid in the, the, in the pyramid text, the only thing that we have is that, the pyramids were built to transmit consciousness from the earth to the stars. That's it. 
That's the reason they were built. Yet again, that that's fought against, you know, like, I mean, so what was your experience like in Egypt? I mean, that it, it must be megalithic and monolithic on another level, those statues of Anubis yeah. and all that stuff. Like how do you, how do you begin to compute that? It's hard for me to compute sitting here in my studio. I can't imagine standing there looking at it. Yeah, I was pretty lucky. I, I went on a one-month spiritual tour. So we were actually doing, uh, doing inner work and, and doing energy work every, sing I mean, every single day for a month, basically, going to the different sacred sites, doing ceremony there. I mean, it's quite challenging because the government uh, in Egypt at the moment, they don't want any kind of meditation. If they catch you with your eyes closed, they kick you out. So it's a pretty interesting uh, scenario to, to do a ceremony there and... And so we had, we, had a, we had like a fake tour guide that was pretending to, to talk about the mainstream shit while we were doing ceremony in the background, like to, to, to be able to do all of that. <laughs> but, I mean, it sort of speaks as well. Why? Why? What, what is so bad about honouring these sacred sites? Why is it such against it, that the government has to come in and say that that's illegal? It, you know, I, I heard a thing once and it's sort of been echoed a little bit. It's like, do you want to know the truth? Pay attention to what's being suppressed. Pay attention to the things you can't do. There's answers there. Because if that, you know, and is it is it a purely, I mean, obviously we're dealing with a lot of control measures here this year, like governments putting down, you know, taking our freedoms away little by little and people aren't really noticing for a virus that isn't really that bad. But anyway, we won't go, I want us to try and stay away from that. However, the control is, is fascinating, you know? So what did you learn? I mean, uh, how, I mean, talk about stones with energy. I mean, the, uh, Egypt is, yeah. is, is, is the, Enormous. it's the, the, uh, I don't know what, I'm, it's the pilgrimage, the, the, the holy ground, or, you know, like, I don't know what, what yeah. word to put in there. So share some of those experiences, mate. I'm really curious. Yeah, sure. So I was pretty lucky that when I went to Damanhur, which is an intentional community, they gave me quite a lot of information about Egypt. And one of the things that they said was that the statues in Egypt, many of them are still activated. So they gave me a little bit of um, background on how to connect with them. And I had a, I had a precursor because in Turin, in, in northern Italy, uh, there's a there's an ancient Egyptian collection, what, like the third or second biggest in, on the planet out of Egypt. So you can go there, and a lot of the statues, particularly the Sekhmed statues, are still highly activated. So what that means is that you can go in, <clears throat> uh, go into the different temples, and if you drop into your heart with pure intent, you can actually connect to the being, you know, that represents that that god or goddess and and uh and have an energetic exchange you can receive information uh there is an actual experience like very strong tangible experience that happens so when we were in egypt we had there was a couple of the temples that we were in and and you could connect uh connect with with these with these beings like literally mm. you know and, and of course in egypt like there's all the hieroglyphs so even even in that i mean i I, I was getting zapped all the time, like just getting, you know, I, I don't really know exactly what, what exactly I was getting zapped with, but I mean, it was, it was, it was like being in a ritual, being in a ceremony, parts of me becoming awakened, remembering a lot of the things sort of integrate afterwards for me. Sometimes when I'm in the experience, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing or even what's going on, but afterwards things integrate, 
uh, sleep, relax, maybe even months afterwards. And then I could be in a meditation and then insight come in from what happened back then. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thousand, thousand questions. Did you, did you get to go into the pyramid, the great pyramid? Did you, were you... we did, we did. We, 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 we were lucky. We got to do a private talk. We, we got to do a private uh, sitting two or three hour meditation in, in the, in the, in the King's chamber, so to speak. Um, and yeah, that was, that was extraordinary. Like that, I mean, from what I know and what, from what I've researched and, and just also what I felt was that the priests used to go into that um, uh, chamber and, mm. and they were able to connect with a certain frequency resonance to basically astral project out and go to other dimensions to get knowledge and information that come, come back. So that's kind of, that was one of the purposes of, of what that chamber was, was used for. But also there's initiations and rites of passage uh, that, that initiates would have to go through depending on how far they were down, you know, their, their journey of, of um, awakening, ascension, remembering who they are. Mm. One of the, uh, one of our uh, unlocking the code theories. So we, we've come up with our own few theories over the years just by synthesizing data and sort of seeing where the, where the dots might join. It, and it was one of the postulations that I had was that the, the Ark of the Covenant, um, we, I wonder, and there's a whole backstory about the Ark of the Covenant. However, I wonder whether the Ark actually used to live in that, the sarcophagus in the Great Pyramid. And if, in fact, if you measure, it's very little, the data on the Ark's very cloudy but the the measurements versus the the sarcophagus versus the ark the ark would have fitted inside the king's chamber sarcophagus and you know the idea being that the ark is a is an infinite energy source um and i I postulated that that's why the pharaohs chased moses across the desert for 40 nights because he stole the ark and took it for a run um And it sort of sort of makes sense. I mean, like what I was saying before, there's a lot of these things that I think what we're looking at is remnants of these sites, and and you know, guys like yourself and myself, and you know, uh, you know, Richard Patterson, the Strong Boys, Graham Hancock, all these guys, and you know, we're, we're we're scrambling to try and unpack and understand these sites from a from a deeper level, both physically, spiritually, mentally. Um, you know, it's 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 a difficult um, difficult thing to do. However, for a lot of us, it seems to be a calling. I know it's definitely one of my it's definitely my calling to try and. From my perspective, I know you're 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 more from a spiritual sense. I know from my perspective, I I definitely sink into the spiritual while I'm there, but I'm trying to uh, make sense of it in a way that I can communicate it to the man on the street and go, hey this is what you know we we need to pay attention and this is why and this is the lines of evidence that i can give you um what happens to you when you go to these sites is 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 always an intensely personal experience however to deny that they exist and to deny that they have not only meaning to us but meaning to our future moving forward is very important um so any other particular experiences, mate? Because I know you wanted to chat about how you treat these sacred sites. And I, I, I do really want to talk to you about that. But is there any other experiences that you wanted to share? Uh, Egypt or South America or maybe something that maybe someone hasn't heard of very much, you know, that you, you may have been to? 
like a, like a, a unique experience that I went through. Yeah, at, at one of these sites or one of the sites that you've been to that, you know, is there anything else that comes to you that you might want to share with the listeners um, before? Because I think, I think it's very important to discuss how we, how we approach these sacred sites. And I have my, my, my thing that I do and, and, I, and I, I would love to share that with you and then we can explore what you do. And, and, but before we get there, I was just wondering, is there, is there anything that you think, is there an experience or one of the sites that you saw that you might want to share with the listeners? Yeah, let me tune in. There's, there's a couple coming up. I could share about the Orkney Islands, which is the north, northern part of Scotland. That's kind of a little bit unusual. Or the Isle of Alona, which is on the south uh, western part of Scotland. Pretty interesting places. Um, there's also Machu Picchu in Peru. That's also pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. Let's do, let's do Orkney. Let's do Orkney okay. and, we'll do, and we'll do Machu Picchu because, yeah, and then we'll, 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 we'll shift gears a little. Okay, cool. Uh, so on, there are quite a few uh, ancient, ancient sites on the Orkney Islands, a really beautiful part of, part of Scotland. I highly recommend it. Probably going to go in summer because uh, in winter I think it would just be absolutely freezing. But the two sacred sites that I want to talk about, there's the, the Ring of Brodgar, and then there's the Standing Stones of Stannis. And it's really interesting because if you have a, well, if you look at them uh, on, on pictures, but if you physically go there, you'll notice that there's two bodies of waters with a narrow strip of land that actually connect them together. Mm. So um, I just, I thought that that, that was really interesting. And, and that's another point that I want to bring in. A lot of the sacred sites seem to have water in or near them. As yes, well. absolutely. So like, it seems to be an integral part of this. Yeah, seems to be an integral part. Like also with the oracles in, Del- in Delphi and also in Dedima in the west part of Turkey. Again, there were natural springs on or underneath the temples that seemed to be a part of how the actual person doing the channeling and foreseeing actually worked with the water. So that's that's interesting. That's really really interesting. Did you get to go Beckley Tepe just by curiosity? No, because it was it was at the same time. I was in Turkey when when Turkey decided to attack Syria. So and Gobliteki is right near that border. So you don't want to go there, yeah? No, fair no, enough. no. I wasn't quite sure what. Yeah, so I didn't. I want to go. I haven't been, unfortunately. No, that that's cool, man. So what so what happened at Orkney when you went there? Yeah, so I, I went with a friend of mine, and um, unfortunately, a part of the sacred site had been destroyed. Some, some of the, the, the key parts of it, the farmers had got rid of it or, you know, so, so they, that got acknowledged, got, got acknowledged. But what, what, I rem- what I remember, I just remember being there and just feeling this, this, this sense of awe and wonderment and this sense of procession, like it really felt that the, the ancient peoples that, that lived there for thousands and thousands of years, like they used it as a, as a way of... Um, building community, but also going through ritual and, and, rites, and rites of passage as well. It just felt like a, an integral, in, integrous part of that community and how they live together. That, that's just, I just felt that. I just felt like, wow, um, the sense of ceremony that has been lost, unfortunately, in, in, the yeah. modern, in the modern day world and, and how important it is. And I feel that that's, that's probably, you know, one of the things that's really igniting in me, which, which I'm starting to build much more into my, my day-to-day living, which is bringing in sacred ceremony into my everyday life, mm. which I feel the sacred sites has really helped me with, actually. You know, to mm. see life as a sacred ceremony, to live life, you know, really celebrating, appreciating what I have 
being grateful for, for everything and not always thinking about trying to achieve something or become something more or to get something, which is what our mainstream world is quite strongly focused on. Yeah, I, I very, very echo with that, mate. I echo with that. So what about Machu Picchu? I mean, obviously, it's a bit of a mission to get up there. Um... Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. So we, we had done a five-day walk. We'd done the sacred five-day walk, which within itself is an initiation because you walk up to about 4,500 metres. So um, there's not a lot of oxygen up there and, and, and climbing up and there's just nothing there. It's like a real beautiful, amazing um, moment to really get in touch with with the shadow aspects of self i mean that that happened for for me and 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 the, my my friend that i traveled with um and also you know you go through the the, the letting go the vomiting the the the, the kind of lightheadedness and and, and not uh, being able to walk properly um so 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 by the time we got got to machu picchu we we're in quite a sur- surrendered space actually it was really beautiful and we we're lucky that it was a really nice day the weather was great um, we had done the, the official tour because they, they give you an official tour, but again, a lot of the knowledge and information is not really accurate. What I kind of felt when I was there was that it seemed that the site was, it was, it was used multiple times. So there's different civilizations that had built, built on it. And, and one of these civilizations, which is kind of hard to get information on, were these tall redheads that existed a long, long time ago. So the Incas... Like, I think, like, people found the sites and then added to it. Yeah. But I've, I, 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 with that site in particular, there's definitely there's the sense that there was a, a, an original race of peoples, uh, so what, the redheads. So, yeah, redheads. What made you say redhead there? Because I can actually add some information to that. Is that just what came to you at the time? Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's just like going into meditation, just sitting there, just connecting to the sacred site. Like what, what's, you know, what's the situation here? What is this, what is the sacred site about? And, and I just got exactly that. It's got these redheads, which is kind of weird because you don't get redheads in South America now. No. So have you, have you heard of the Paracas skulls? No. Okay. So I hadn't actually heard of it, but this is, this is fresh research and it's so fascinating how these things happen, how the universe works, right? The Paracas skulls were found in South America. They are actually an elongated skull. Like they're, they're, they're a proper elongated skull. They have a bigger cranial capacity than we do. They're not. So obviously you, you may be, you may understand there's a lot of cultures around the world that actually, uh, bind their skulls to make them elongated they use binding or plates or these aren't these are actually um proper skulls and they're actually found well you're you're in the you're in the you're in the area mate they're found in paracas in south america and they have red hair they have red hair wow and they may be the race one of the races that existed on this planet prior to us and they have red hair and it's like red hair is supposedly, and you'd be surprised it actually comes from the Middle East uh, is, is mm. where the red hair gene theoretically comes from. And so fascinating that you got through meditation that they were red haired beings because, and the skull's bigger and the, the problem is that, and we sort of haven't got part, we, there's more research to be done there. Uh, we haven't seen skeletons, so I don't know about heights, but if the skull's bigger, then you would, you could postulate that the, the spine then would have to be bigger to hold the skull, which therefore that would be a, a, um, a different race of beings. And these Paracas skulls, it's not like there's one or two, there's, there's hundreds of them. 
they haven't just found one or two. There's literally hundreds of these skulls that have been found. And again, that's something else that doesn't make to the mainstream media. Like I've, we've, I've been in this rabbit hole for three years. Uh, one of the fellow coders and one of the founding members of the podcast rings me at work and goes, have you got 10 minutes? I said, he goes, do you know about Paracas skulls? Then he downloaded me and yeah, we, we, uh, we had had a discussion. Actually, the one of the latest podcast uh, postulations on ancient mysteries was to do with that. So it's like, right. here you are saying they're red-haired. I can now go, well, guess what, mate? There's been skulls found in South America with red hair and they're all a bit strange looking. So it's like spirit or however you want to interpret that is delivering you information that can be actually proven realistically, which, which to me... It's the, the connections are, are unbelievable, mate. Like, and there's so many of these anomalies, you know, so many. Yet, because it doesn't suit the mainstream narrative, we That's are right. we 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 can't explore them in in any great depth. Uh, and they're they're hidden. They're, they're, there's it's hard not to get conspiracy minded. Like every everything you've said to us today. Oh, I go to the site. They give us the story. The story doesn't resonate with you or me or pretty much anyone if you actually look into it for five minutes yet that is the prevailing story because they're using that story to write their narrative because if they control the past then they can yeah. control the present because if we actually knew where we came from and we knew yeah. and these things you're talking about mate gratitude uh not going after materialistic gain um focusing on positive stuff instead of becoming more or who do you need to step on to get to the next level? Um, this is what existing on this planet is all about. Like as, as, as corny as it is, John Lennon was right, man. Love is the answer. All yeah. you, need is love. you know, yeah. it's true. Yeah. And, yeah. and we must, if we, we can actually, and you talk about ceremony, right? So obviously we did a little set like, before we start the podcast, a couple of deep breaths. Let's talk about our intention. Let's just center ourselves. I bring a tiny ceremony into the front of the podcast all the time. And I think that gives it a certain energy and a, and a certain honesty and rawness. However, you can make a ceremony out of making a cup of coffee in the morning if you really wanted to. You know, mm. pe people, mm -hmm. se people seem to be thinking you need to be dancing naked around the fire with symbols painted on you. That's, that, <laughs> we can bring ceremony. We can do that. We can do that. Look, hey, hey man. Yeah, nothing I'm, wrong with that. Nothing wrong with you that. Know? I'm not, hey, you know, set and setting, man. Don't worry about it. I'm up for it. <laughs> Depends on what we're doing. Um, but in order to, it's without these, and I think, you've echoed something across every site ceremony 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 and what is missing from our modern existence ceremony there's no there's no pathway from being uh, a, a a boy to a man or, or a girl to a woman you know it, you know me and my wife had a discussion the other day so we've got we've got two beautiful daughters and you know we're we're we're, we're successful humans in in the modern existence and then we're sort of sitting there. It's like, does anyone know that we're in control of these two little people? Like, <laughs> shouldn't we check with someone? You know, it's like, when did you become an adult? Well, I don't know. Started paying bills, mate. I don't know what, what happened. Like, there's no... Yet, for a long time, I believe that there was a, 
there was a culture that existed not just in these certain spots but globally and and they existed to provide this ceremony to provide this purpose to that material gain was not the way that they existed it was it was a spiritual existence did would you agree with that i mean you've traveled around all these sites would you agree with that yeah definitely Definitely, and 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 you know when when we're engaging with these with this with these sacred sites, there there are all sorts of spirits, beings, uh, energies that are there. They're guardians as well, and so we go we go in there with reverence, you know, with some kind of usually some kind of gifts. It depends on the culture. Like for example, in Guatemala and Mexico, they you know give honey, cacao is um is quite quite common, flowers and different types types of resins. And and it's in the it's in the igniting of the fire that that the that the spirit world consumes the, the the gifts that you that you give. But there's this reciprocal kind of relationship that 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 happens. So um, there there is a connection, there is an honouring, there's a respecting. But there's also a lot that that humans can also receive. Like you know you can ask questions, you can get answers to things that, that are going on in your life. Also healing. A lot of the sacred sites which we haven't even talked about. There's a lot of healing opportunities a lot of um so yeah very very special places that people used to travel long long distances to to get healed a lot of physical ailments mm. there's quite a few ancient wells in wales actually where um they've got uh, all these uh, crutches that people threw away after they got healed you know hundreds of them they're still yeah, there mm. um and that's in that's in in that part of the world but all but all over the world and it's because you know healing Again, it's a it's a frequency. There's a there's a, a harmonic resonant frequency that when you step into, if you can accept it, if you can believe that that energy is going to actually do something for you, you heal. And obviously, if you don't, then nothing happens. And but that also just comes back to how powerful we actually are. And most people forgot that. You know, we've forgotten that we are creating our reality and that we have lots of natural abilities and special gifts and talents that if we allow them to be activated, we can live and step into our greatness and contribute to life in a way that we have, you know, no, no idea of really. And, oh, and yeah, absolutely. Mate. Absolutely. And I think there is healing aspects to this stuff, but again, we are colored by, you know, and, and like, even if you go, even if you went to Western medicine, right, the white jacket is a placebo. The stethoscope is a placebo. That's the reason they wear those. You, they don't tell you that, but that's the reason. It's start of the healing effect. You, someone comes to you with a white jacket, you know they're a scientist, you know this, you know that. It starts a mental thing in your brain. However, we are able to, if we can tune in, and you said two really important things there. Uh, frequency, okay? Everything is energy. Everything is vibration. You know, like there, there, there's a space where, you know, I'm sitting on a couch. If I could match the vibration of the arm of my couch, I could put my hand through it. If I could actually match mm -hmm. the vibration that it's at, it seems solid to me, you know, like the, the chairs you're sitting on seems solid to you, but it isn't yeah. at a molecular level. And, and quantum mechanics is actually proving these things, which is quite fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a story I love to tell people about the, the power of um, healing yourself, whereas the, it was a placebo test. So basically they took 50 patients who needed serious knee surgery and 25 of them, they gave the proper Western knee surgery, got in there, cut them open, did all the thing. And then the other 25, they gave them the drug to put them under. 
they gave them little nicks in their knee. So it seemed like the tools had been inside their knee. They bandaged them up and then they pushed them away. And they didn't tell anyone, like they were obviously part of the study, but no one knew who was going to get what. At the end of six months, they tested function of all the knees that, that they'd worked on. The 25 who had no knee surgery whatsoever, they'd all rebuilt themselves and they're in better condition than the ones that actually had surgery. So it healed itself. Yeah, I believe that. It healed yeah. itself. Um, yeah. And I think there's there's a misconception as well where it's like everyone's like, oh, you've got to drink the sacred water and you've got to do this and, and that and that's all you need to do. No, look, Western medicine has it has its own purpose. There's there's no denying that. However, to also deny that as humans we've existed on this planet for hundreds of thousands of years and had various types of medicines and healing structures or ways is also silly. And also the fact that, you know, I said to my class the other day, I'm like, okay, if I said to you, go and find a willow bark tree, boil it and drink the, you know, drink the, uh, you know, the, the juice that comes out of the bark and your headache will go away, you'd call me crazy. But if I gave you paracetamol, you'd just take it. Well, paracetamol is derived from the willow bark tree. Like to, to pretend that most of our medicines that come in a white pill aren't derived from nature to start with is also stupid because they are, you know, the poppy seed, all these things. We can go, go forever if you want. You know, ibuprofen comes from a jungle vine. Like there's all these things. Yet we, we, it's almost like we've been conditioned to steer away from nature and into materialism. And I think therefore we're, lit, we're, we're, we're losing an understanding of this, this, the, the healing nature that can, that can take place. Like, you know, I, 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 um, my lower back and my knees through multiple years of full contact sport are not exactly the best through wear and tear. I sat in the springs in New Zealand in Rotorua in the, in the hot pools, the geothermal mineral pools. I experienced no pain for three weeks. I sat in there for three days, you know, a couple of times a day, no pain for three weeks, none. Like, and that's just through the minerals of the earth and all that sort of stuff. Um, we need to rethink our belief systems to understand this stuff on, on, in a better nature, mate. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think the key, yeah, the key thing that you're sharing, which we just want to kind of bring into, into realization is that our, our beliefs uh, in, in our mind really either do allow or block certain mm. things from happening. And so it's not really that reality is out there so much. It's more what is actually in our inner world that seems to affect our experience in the, in the outer world. And, and I think this is a big uh, stepping stone for the mainstream world because most people believe that, you know, things are happening to me. It's out of my control, just, you know, good things, bad things. You know, I'm just kind of there and it happens. But actually what's, what's really going on at that quantum physics level, which you kind of brought up before, is that what we believe to be true or possible is what act, we attract those experiences in into our life and then Absolutely. we manifest them so you know again it's it's they're, they're you know the sacred sites are also and these sacred uh, natural healing places again are trying to invite people to come back into our true essence you know and and to go a little bit deeper within ourselves and go maybe the reality that we're living in is a little bit different to to what has been kind of painted as the way or the picture um, that most people are kind of caught in at, at this point. 
Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. The other thing I wanted to drill down on that you, the other word you said there was reverence. And if you, not only should you just have reverence of life in general, I think like it's, it's a miracle that we exist anyway. Like there's so much to be reverent of. If you wake up in the morning and you've got a, a beautiful partner next to you and you, you, there's so many things to be reverent of. However, when you approach, and this is my, this is what I do. Okay. If when I approach these, if, if, if there's even a, 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 a tiny chance that where I'm going, cause I'm seeking these sites out here in Australia and okay, this is a sacred site. Okay. Immediately. And you, and you're spot on mate, you need to give gifts. Uh, I've actually got a funny story about that. Do you want to, uh, before we keep going, uh, uh, another fellow brother and coder that, it, uh, Matt, who came to me with, to the Gympie pyramid before we went, I said, listen, man, have you got an offering? Like, and whatever you, and, and it doesn't, some cultures are specific, but I think as well, you should tune in and go, all right, what do I need to bring? You know, what's something that I could give to the site. And that's sort of what I do. I don't, I just say, okay, I need to bring, you know, it might be some tobacco or it might be a crystal or it might be something. I just, before I go on these trips, I go, okay, I've got all these little bits and pieces that I've got. What do I need to take with me? And I'll, and I'll freely donate that to this site. And I said to my mate, you've got to have something, man. And I, again, approach it with reverence. And I actually, you know, my own ceremony, I stopped and I said, okay, thank you for allowing us here. This is, this is what I've got for you. Cool. And we, we moved on my mate forgot and he had a lovely pocket knife that should not have been able to come out of his pocket. And we get to the end of the day and his pocket knife's gone. I said, man, I told you, like, mm. <laughs> if you don't give them something, <laughs> they're going to take something from you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just vanished. Like, and it's quite, and wow, it's, it was amazing. Fa- well, I, I was carrying the exact same knife. That's the interesting part, right? So I was carrying the exact same knife, same style, same everything stayed in my pocket. All the time, didn't stay in Matty's pocket, right? And I said, "Man, this is the lesson. You need to give something, okay?" But it's important to have reverence, and reverence is such a powerful word, and and surrender is a good word as well. Like, yeah. if you you've got to, as part of the growth of self, and I know you you talk about that and some of the other things you're doing, and and you must let go of self. And, and especially when you start to look into this stuff and you must approach these things with reverence and with understanding that you know nothing and, and, and surrender to whatever is there and, and feel, you know, and I think, you know, you, you said something before as well about um, descending into your heart. I, that, is a, that is, I think, especially amongst men, one of our biggest problems. I think we do not understand how to sink into our heart energy properly. We do not want to admit, you know, and it's a lot to do with stereotypes that we grew up with. You know, I think there's a lot of it there. However, you really need these sacred sites. You need to be within you, in your heart to truly understand them and open yourself up to them um, and, and, and be pure of heart and pure of intent. Um, I've been through actually a pretty intense uh, healing journey over the last couple of weeks, um, which I believe in it, that it's obviously been, there's a lot of things that contributed, but when I went and spent some time with the Jinbara people, 
uh, in, on Indigenous land and, and I was talking to them and working with them, I had this sense that, that someone was watching me. And the boys I'm with, Martin and, and Rob and, and, and um, Cameron, they're very open-minded. So I told them, I said, listen, boys, just so you know, I'm pretty sure we've got someone watching over us today. Uh, I keep seeing something out of the, in my peripheral vision. Um, I get like ancestor or something like that. Uh, no, everything's fine. Um, none of the other boys had that could were seeing it or had that experience. However, the, over the course of the last two weeks, I've actually expelled some pretty major demons from my existence, and I actually believe that. Uh, it, it's been accelerated through some other things. However, because I'm, I'm so pure of intent and pure of heart to try and help the indigenous people of this land. And I'm very much of this land and um, want to want to just, I'm, I'm not chasing the crystal skull, man. I'm not chasing treasure. You know, knowledge is my treasure. I, I don't, I have no aspirations to, be the next big thing you know i just i just do what i do and and things happen you know um and i i i sat with this and and what what's come to me is that that ancestor looked into my heart looked into my heart you know looked into my soul and and saw that i was pure of intent and i've actually been assisted with getting rid of one of the probably the biggest demon of my existence to be honest um to the point where i i'm i'm having to cal recalibrate and have a, uh, a new operating system. Um, Great. That's awesome. Well, well it's done. cool. It's, it's very cool. Don't Great. get me wrong. It's um, however, <laughs> that's the power of these sacred sites because I went yeah. there to the Jimbara people completely open of mind, completely open of heart and, and, and coming from a place of love and that's it. That's all I had. And, and I was willing to surrender to the knowledge, surrender to the land, and if you are, you know, I think a lot of people go to these sites and say, oh, yeah, it's just a bunch of rocks, mate. It's like, well, no, it's, but they're not ready to see, I suppose, Nick, you know, it, it's, it's, and when you approach these sites, yes, come with an offering. And if you don't know what the cultural offering should be, bring something of your own, you know, it, 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 there's an exchange it doesn't have to take place. However, it's about being reverent and about honoring the fact that we've been here for so long that we don't even understand. And if I think there's an exchange of energy there, Nick, and I, I wonder what you see from the, from the offering point of view, it's like, well, if I'm willing to give something of myself to the site, these sites will then recognize and then give something back. I think, would you agree with that? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing is like, not only the sacred sites, but also the indigenous tribes from all around the world, they're wanting to get the knowledge out there. You know, there's a real move, like, you know, from the Mamos in, in Colombia and South America, I was very lucky to spend a week with them, uh, to a lot of other tribes from, from all, all around the world. They're wanting to, to, to share their, their wisdom and the connection that they have with the earth, because ultimately we're all indigenous. It's just that, yeah, we are. Uh, we've, yeah. we've, we've, forgot, we've forgotten that connection. It's just that we're, you know, again, loss of ceremony, no, no rites of passage, you know, just no one knows. So if you, no one shows you how to do it, then you don't know it. You know, it's just simple. Mm. And um, it's like the blind eating the blind. So we just need, you know, there is, a, there is that process going. And the sacred sites are also uh, 
some of the many of them are activating coming back online and and all you know there's a lot of people working behind the scenes to to make all of this happen as well there's a lot of work going on a lot of grid work uh there's there's all sorts of things going on and of course we know we no one really knows to what extent because everyone's just got their own unique you know calling mission whatever they're doing whether it's like you to do the podcast there's other people that are doing grid work Mm. But but even if you go to the sacred sites, it's going on with you sharing. I've I've received a lot of ancestral healing, particularly mm. going back to Europe because my family heritage DNA is from there. So you go back to those lands. You know, there's this trauma, there's energies, there's memories that come up and that you know can get healed. And uh, and of course, you you know the healing that that the healing that I do then is also benefited for the future generations. So it's not just for me. It's also for 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 others as well, and for the collective, and for my ancestors and and the lineages that that that, that I'm connected with, and so everyone can do that. You know, mm. we can all do that. Absolutely, we can, we can, and I think, and you're right, mate. It's so fascinating. Like, you know, Martin Zoom bombed a meeting you're in, and that's how we got connected, right? It's it's <laughs> how these things are happening, and how how. Uh, the people are connecting and we are on our own journeys. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm working with indigenous people and, and, and going out into the field and it's and talking at these things. But, but, but my part of this is the podcast. My part is providing this platform for yourself and, and, and gentlemen or and people like yourself to, to get your knowledge out so I can get it out to everybody else. Um, while synthesizing my own data and, and sharing my own experiences. What, what's fascinating to me is that, we all seem to be working towards the same goal from, from many different angles, you know, and I think that's important. I think the, the, the perspectives are important, Nicholas, because we obviously don't have the right idea yet because if we did, the place wouldn't be in such a state of chaos. So maybe the right idea is a conglomeration, excuse me, of many ideas, which then we can come together and go, Hey, this is what these guys tell us. This is what these guys tell us. Let's come together and actually, you know, let's, let's, let's be cool and, and understand each other. Um, is there similarities? Cause obviously, you know, such privilege to speak to you, mate, the, the, and for you to share your experience with us, but you, you said you've talked to a lot of indigenous cultures and, and been privileged enough to be part of some of these ceremonies. My idea is that there was once a global spiritual culture and there was just multiple interpretations of that culture, but the core essence was the same. Do, mm -hmm. do, you, do you echo that? Is there similarities in what yeah. everybody's saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, 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 central, the central essence uh, is, is definitely the same. And, and the only things that are really different, it's just often the cultural context of a group of people living in a particular area over a period of time. And it could even be things like climate. Some places are warmer, some places are colder. Some places have, for example, like jade and other places have gold and, you know, other things that they may use in ceremony. But in terms of the actual, the, 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 you know, the connection to spirit, the connection to, to the cosmos, the universal intelligence and, and, and often the way, let's say the general ways of, of conducting ceremony and ritual, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah, Def that, definitely, absolutely. Well, that that's that's excellent confirmation, mate. Because that's, yeah, because I think that is the case. I think that 
I, I believe that, as I say, there was once upon a time prior to materialism and look, let's face it, patriarchy and all those things. Um, there was a global spiritual culture that was just open to interpretation, as you say, like, it, you know, yeah. the food and the climate and that that's going to give you your own and you're going to put your own twist on it because that's what we do. However, the core essence, I think, is the same, you know, and I think that that core essence is, as you say, gratitude, love, um, reverence, um, these things that make your life better. You know, kindness costs you nothing. You know, I, it, so I, I woke, <laughs> I woke up this morning to a Instagram message from a guy in Africa saying, are you woke? And I'm like, what does that even mean, dude? And he's like, so sorry. I said, what are you sorry for? I asked a stupid question. Anyway, I spoke to this guy over messenger, um, Instagram message for about an hour and a half this morning. He just reached out to someone and he wanted to try and help unlock his own code. And like, mate, I'm in Australia, but you know, belief systems and, and the things we're talking about now, gratitude and not giving into fear and anger and guilt and these negative things that, that perpetuate. And it's like, I could have just deleted that message. You know, I could have gone, what the hell is this idiot on about? However, no, I, I, to be kind costs you nothing. And he now has an understanding from me and maybe that'll help him along his path. You know, I spent you know a little while just talking to him. You know, he's like, oh, I want to, I want to awake. I want to do this. And I'm like, yeah, man, well, you, 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 he's like, oh, you know me so well. It was fascinating. I said, no, I don't know you at all, mate. But what I do know is humans. We're all the same. Mm. Doesn't matter. Color, creed, religion. It does. Cause it doesn't matter. We're you. And I've, I've prided myself over the last sort of um, 10, 15 years traveling around Australasia, getting to know everyone like from all colors, mm. all religions, all creeds. And mm. again, honesty, kindness a little bit of reverence a little bit of understanding and people are cool yeah mm. we're, we're all the same we, we we all just want love we we, we want a, a satisfying existence you know um and we want to be heard and we want to be healthy and of body mind body and soul and i think that's the other thing a lot of people are waking up to and i know that some of the other work you do mate where people are trying to access their their soul and their heart and their and, and yeah. their and understanding their spiritual essence. Um, I think it's unfortunate that a lot of these terms have such negative connotations these days, because it's really, it's hard. There's a lot of trigger words there, isn't there? Our spirituality and self and all that sort of stuff. Yet the answers seem to be the answers too, Nick. Like the, the simple ones are the most profound, aren't they? You know? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, the thing is, you can even strip away some of those those words because they're just labels, you know, and we wanted to simplify it and, and just say, you know, ultimately, uh, if if every person uh, chooses to, to go within themselves to find their true nature mm. um, and through that journey, through that process, which is unique for every single person, I call it, you know, it's the hero's journey and it's the, you know, you are the hero that you were always looking for, you know. There is no, there is no hero out there. And, and, um, and then that journey is going to be unique and you can go down the path of yoga, there's meditation, there's all the different martial arts mm-hmm. things. You could go down the, uh, the indigenous wisdom routes, the shamanic routes. You can go down the energetic healing routes. You can go down. I mean, it's infinite, really. 
And, um, but the thing is, it's like, just by making a choice, it's going, I want to know myself, you know, I want to, um, I want to break free from the prison of, of the, of my mind. You know, I want to, I want to know what, what is out there in the universe. I want to uh, find out what are my gifts and talents and how can I contribute them into the collective? Because that's actually what creates fulfillment. And, you know, people are looking to fill this empty void by stuff, but it's a, it's a void that will never, it's unfillable. You know, it's just, it's an empty, it's a, a pit that just is infinitely deep doesn't matter how many houses and this and that and girlfriends and boyfriends and parties and it, it'll never fill it. No, never. And it, it'll, it'll only be filled by going inside. And, and I guess that's part of the, that's part of the initiation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, you know, what will it take for people to, to make that shift? And sometimes, you know, going to a sacred site could actually be that shift because there could be some kind of energetic exchange that happens where it's unexplainable, uh, but something is touched inside that person if they're ready for it. You know, not everyone's going to go down that path. And it's part of what you were sharing as well. We've also got to appreciate and understand that, that just because I'm going through my process and my experience, that that's not going to be everyone else's experience and to be okay with that. Some people are not going to change and that's okay. Like that's cool. You know? Well, in that everybody, they're, they're, they're at a different, they're on their path, man. They're at a different space in their journey. Um, you know, I suppose, you know, guys like yourself and myself, I, what, what I, I like planting seeds is what I call it. Right. Mm. So I'll just throw oh, an, I'll just throw an idea out there, you know, and some people are going to think I'm crazy. Some people might resonate with it or it might take a month. It might take a year, it might take two years. You know, oh, that crazy guy was right. Maybe I do need to think about Maybe I do need to think about this. Maybe I am, there is something to what is being said. And you, you'll come to it in your own way. And I think as long, and you're right, you know, is it martial arts, yoga, spirituality, there's so many things, you know. You, you just need to have, I talk to a lot of people about passion projects, right? What is your passion project? So mm. you're, you're part of my passion project right now. Okay. This is what I do. Mm. This is what I do for me. You know, I'm, I'm a teacher, you know, nine to five, I teach and I'm a father and a husband and, and I've got those things. However, this is what feeds my soul. I mean, obviously my children and my wife, they're part of that. However, for my personal, and this is the thing, we've got to separate that uh, ego and arrogance. These, these things and can be negative, but can also be positive because ego is actually what mm. makes you put a nice shirt on in the morning. You know, the hubris, <laughs> it, you know, it makes you have a shave and try and present yourself. So there's, there's good parts to it, but looking after yourself is not, uh, that's become almost um, uh, a, a, a dirty, dirty topic. It's, oh, you can't look after yourself. You've got to sacrifice everything for your family and this, that, and the other. That doesn't serve you, man. How can you be the best person? How can you be the best husband, the best father, the best, you know, boyfriend, the best, whatever, the best lover, the best mate, the best, whatever. If you're not the best version of yourself, you actually can't, it's not possible. So what do you, okay. So if we, we can easily understand that's not possible, then what are you doing to serve yourself? What are the, what are your passions that feed your soul just for you? You know, looking after your family is important. Doing these things are important but what are you doing for you? And, you know, one of the things that came to me was this, you know, I, I, and that's why I started this. And that's why I started the exploration. I've had many people go, Oh, you know, 
how much money you're making and da 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 da. I'm not making a cent. And, and and to be honest, it's not about that. You know, am I open to for this to make money and for this to be a, a something I do full time? Of course I am. Of course I'm open to that opportunity. Is it what drives me? Absolutely not. Not in not in the slightest sense, because you know, have an experience like this, Nicholas, is why I do this, mate. You're in Mexico. You've experienced this. We're connecting. It's awesome. This gives me more than anything could, you know, and I think people need to see, and you don't have to do a podcast. You don't have to pack up your life and travel the sacred sites. You know, you don't have to. <laughs> you could, you could knit fucking doilies, mate, if that's what you want to do. You know, like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And that's the thing. As long as, as you know, and I always get asked in this instant gratification world, I'm sure you've probably had it as well. What's the answer, man? In 10 seconds, can you encapsulate years of experience? It's like, dude, I not really know. And secondly, I'm sorry, I can tell you a lot of things, but the answers are here, here, and here. And everyone looks at you and goes, oh. It's like, well, no. <laughs> this, this isn't the matrix, man. I can't give you the red pill and you, you'll all be good, right? <laughs> well, it could be. There's another discussion. It could be. <laughs> you know it's uh you know it's we we it's it it is the hero's journey mate. it is the hero's journey it like you travel into the bush and you and you go and do this and do that do this do that and then you come back and go wow that was an amazing experience that really affected me right so you you did all that to come back to here and i and without without you need to have a project of something you need to have something that feeds your soul um and whether it be the things that we're talking about it's you know i think the more people that are looking into these sites and trying to understand them i think the better uh however as i say knit doilies mate i don't care knit teddy bears it doesn't it doesn't matter what you do um because you can attach ceremony and reverence and all these things to anything in life if you choose to you know Spot on. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. It's the attitude that we bring into the, the moment that really matters. You know, it's the energy and, and, and just being true, you know, just going, what does light me up? You know, am I a communicator or am I more into supporting uh, other people? Am I a carer? Uh, do I like creating things or like inventing things? Do I like putting things together? Do I like taking things apart? And, and it's, it's infinite. It's just, it's just taking a little bit of time out to have that conversation with, with oneself and go, yeah, what does move me? What's, what does, what does touch my soul? What, and, and usually what touches one's soul is also a contribution usually to the collective as well. Really? It, and it, that, is that there, there's a, a flow that happens there. Interesting, isn't it? Like it's interesting that, yeah, once you, once you access what your, your passion that feeds your soul, you find that, things happen like what we're like here today, mate, you know, like, you know, over the past hundred, this is episode 104 of this podcast, right? Over the past hundred plus episodes, there's been times where I wanted to quit. There's been times where I haven't released anything for months. There's been times where yet I have never quit. I, I, I keep doing something because I have to, like, everyone's like, I call my, like, I'm a teacher, so, as well. So it's like, but I say to people, I'm an extroverted introvert, okay? I don't, (laughs) 
I don't necessarily want to be standing up in front of people, right? I don't, if I think about the fact that, you know, I'll, I'll put this together and I'll release it a bit later today, Nick, and in the next month, you know, potentially thousands of people are going to hear mine and your voice across the planet. Now, if I think about that too much, I freak right out, okay? <laughs> however, <laughs> however, I have to do this. You know, people say, why do you do the podcast? I don't know. I have to. I have to keep going, you know? I, 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 and it's quite funny. As I keep going, more opportunities like this come up, you know? And this, 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 is, this is helping you. It's helping me. And, and, it's, and it's also contributing a lot to the collective uh, consciousness and, and, and the collective purpose of the planet. And I think, mate, we, do you find, and I mean, this is an interesting question, do you find, this is a discussion that me and the boys have had over here, is it accelerating for you as well? Because it seems to be accelerating for me. Like everything seems to be, you know, we're, we're in a great time of acceleration. Um, because I think- Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Everything is getting faster. I, I'm also finding for me that the things that are not that are not relevant or the things that are kind of out of alignment with 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 who I am and, and my true nature is just like flying out the window. Um, and, and even, you know, even today it was interesting. I, I did a ceremony actually for talking about ceremony. I did a, I did a, a, an Akashi clearing ceremony and, and I had to, I had to lie down for, for about an hour and now afterwards to integrate the, the experience, you know, the, the process of cleaning and cleansing, uh, energetically and emotionally, mentally as well. And, and so these, you know, the, um, the potency of this time is 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 really it's all happening really you know it is literally all happening and i think you know we're not going to go into the whole COVID thing but you know that manifestation i think is connected to the acceleration of of the the collective consciousness of humanity it's all connected absolutely mate absolutely i think you know one of the discussions we've had a few times it's like i know we all sort of felt that our generation something big was going to happen have I'll be honest, mate. I thought I was crazy. You know, I, I, I thought, yeah, look, I'm probably nuts. Um, and I, and I think, <laughs> and I think every generation feels that too, though, mate. You know, I think, oh, we're we're the chosen ones. Well, guess what, mate? Turns out we are. No pressure. Um, we, 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 you know, there's people that have been alive for eighty, the eighty year olds that have never experienced what we've experienced this year, and we need to be very conscious of that. And it's there's going to be a, there's there's a there's there's the, there's a couple of forks in the road coming up very very soon and if we don't again understand our heart energy you know there is a there is something about raising our vibration as well i do i do think and even if we're not raising our vibration to make sure that we we can understand the next step raising your vibration and, and being kinder and nicer and to yourself and everybody else it's just a way of life that should happen. So, you know, you don't have to attach whatever, if there's prophecy or prophetic times around it, just trying to be a better person, trying to understand yourself, take that hero's journey. It, it's, it is worthwhile, but yeah, it's definitely prophetic times. And like, as I say, I thought, Oh, look, you know, but I think the thing, if we think we're crazy, that means we're not crazy because real crazy people- <laughs> Real crazy people don't think that they're crazy. See, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's good crazy and there's bad crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's uh, oh yeah, 
there's so many so many different things mate look we're probably um i think i i feel we're, we're coming to an end for this episode i don't think this is our this is our first episode it definitely won't be our last i don't think um have you got uh i i spring this on everyone mate have you got any final thoughts as this is your first episode what what yeah what's the, yeah, so I'm going to tie it into the name of the podcast, which is Unlocking the Code. And my the unlocking of the code for each person is is completely unique and 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 special. Mm. It could be going to a sacred site. It could be welcoming in a mentor that um, that could really ignite the wisdom and 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 the calling within your own heart. Uh, it could it could be to to try something new like a meditation. Or, or yoga or something that is going to bring, bring more stillness. Uh, but whatever it is, there is, there is a unique uh, path that wants to be unlocked within each person. And I think that's important. It's not like some people are special and other people are not. Everyone actually has a, a really special purpose and reason for being on the earth at this time. And, you know, it's a little bit like you can be on the sidelines and watch the game or you can be in the game and play in the game. And, and I guess that's, that's the kind of final point that, that that decision lies within each person. And, and my encouragement, I would love for, you know, as many people as possible to, to put their hand up and to play in the game. And, and, and if you don't know how to do that, then just set an intention. Say, I'd like to be in the game. Don't know how to play. Don't know how that it looks for me. But I would love that opportunity. And I can tell you that life will present to you a, a pathway of how that can happen. Absolutely, mate. I couldn't agree more. And I think, and yeah, the, the more the more people we have playing with us, the better off we're going to be. And, and the more perspectives we can gain, and the more understanding we will have. And and look, man, I really, uh, I really truly appreciate your time today. And, and I, I think, um, you know, there's more work for us to do with each other. And and I, I look forward to the next conversation. And I'll keep you updated with all the stuff going on down here, trying to unlock the indigenous code and all the things down here. And before we go, before we go, what is that behind you? That is so cool. What have you? What are you sitting behind? It looks like a sun disc or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> this is why I picked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think right. it, it really, it really captures. I mean, most of the temples in in this part of the world, they've got a, a sun temple, which is the the main temple, and so I just thought this, this is, you know, it just represents Mexico pretty, pretty well. So why not? <laughs> Perfect backdrop. Well, listen, all, all our love from Australia to all your friends over there in Mexico, and um, and mate, uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, thanking, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, and also thanking everyone for tuning in and being with us. And we'd love to hear any questions that you've got. I know that's not obviously live, but you know, please write uh, questions or comments or I insights. And we'd be really happy to 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 engage with you. So thank you. Absolutely, mate. And I'll put all your links in the bios and all that sort of stuff uh, for the podcast. And yeah, that's a good thing. Any questions that you have for myself or Nicholas or any topics you'd like us to discuss, that's actually a really good thing. Um, you know, it could be the basis of our next discussion. Awesome. No worries, Nick. You take it easy, mate. I'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Cheers, Nick. Bye. One, two.